Hey, it's Steven. In case you missed the news, we've brought in the Art of CX podcast team with host Nick Wood to bring you Customer Corner, our new series of unplugged conversations on the challenges and transformations going on in the corner offices of the world from the folks sitting at the desk. To help you get a feel for the great conversations they'll be bringing to the show, we're rebroadcasting the first season of The Art of CX, which, admittedly, wasn't all customer-focused, right here on our channel. It's exciting stuff, and if you enjoy this conversation, be sure to subscribe so you can receive notifications as new episodes of the Customer Corner series are released. Here's episode six, Human Technology. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Art of CX, the podcast that brings you colorful insights into how businesses are painting their very own picture of customer experience, presented by SAP. My name is Nick Wood, and with me for this episode is once again my dear colleague, Tanya van Soest, Chief Storyteller at SAP CX. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Nick. Tanya, today I think we're going to get a tiny little bit philosophical and because we can't be absolutely sure how this conversation will develop um, based on the preparation we've done, I suggest we'll get right into it. What do you think? I'm really excited um, to have our guest today. Uh, I'll let you do the introductions, but I think that we have a lot to unpack and, and a lot of great value to add to uh, how we paint uh, the picture of customer experience here. So here we go. It's my great pleasure to introduce Ya Ti Nguyen. I hope I got that uh, pronounced correctly from Siemens. Um, Ti, welcome to the Art of CX. Thanks for having me here. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Now, T, you've been with Siemens for 18 years, uh, I believe, held many different positions, one of your recent roles being head of operational excellence of Siemens Digital Industries. You've lived in and worked in, in five different countries. Consider yourself a corporate child, you say yourself. And through all those changing environments, SAP always somehow was a little bit involved. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Yes, gladly. So I started really Siemens in 2002, actually as an EDI analyst in the, the really in the SAP implementation uh, arena. And uh, I have moved across different functions from IT to finance. And then the last five, six years in the realm of a global process owner for the entire offer to order, order to cash cycle. And there always technology has been an integral part, but not until recently, I actually found that it's not really so much about technology only. This is fascinating. The idea um, that technology is not at the heart of what you think is driving your particular area of business. If it's not technology, T, what is it? And this is uh, sometimes when uh, I get a little bit uh, misquoted and I'm, I'm very happy to explain. I'm a total technology nerd. I love it. <laughs> you know, in my free time, you know, I, I start learning about, for example, graph databases. You know, I really set them up myself uh, and I'm, I'm self-taught. But what I love even more than technology are simply spoken people. So right. at the end of the day, the technology is created by people. So even when we use the word technology, I think it's always wrong to oppose it to say, for example, humans versus robots, because I, I really believe that uh, as long as of now, we humans create technology, 
then technology is also here to serve us. Right. So are you saying that we're not actually at risk for a robot apocalypse anytime soon? No, definitely uh, not <laughs> not anytime uh, soon. And uh, uh, to be quite honest, it's actually funny, like one of my uh, past roles where I was uh, also driving uh, the Siemens IIoT uh, activities, I was actually always trying to explain it in one sentence saying, we are doing the same thing like Terminator 2 Cyberdyne systems, but just benevolent. <laughs> so, but uh, what I'm trying to say is, um, uh, robots are created at the moment by humans. And uh, so it's not about humans versus robots, but it's about humans versus humans who created robots, which maybe are not fitting into the realm of what we want them uh, to do. And, uh, but at the same time, they, they get better. And if they don't get better, it's uh, because of us. It's really up to us. <laughs> I'm glad you picked up the Terminator example there, because uh, if you hadn't done that, I certainly would have. Um, so if you say, and yeah, obviously it is the case that humans still lead technology. Um, and our next question would be, what role does technology play in customer experience? Um, is that is that a wrong way of phrasing the question? Should it be how do humans use technology within customer experience? I think there's actually in this particular case no right or wrong. And I think it's also not an or. So let me digress a little bit and then I will bridge it back to your question. I think when it comes to technology, you should never ask, should we focus on the blockchain or AI? It's the same matter as if I would never ask you, should you eat oranges or cucumber? Both are healthy food. But at the same time, if you only eat oranges and cucumber, you will still die of malnutrition. So what I'm trying to say is that we should apply technology to really drive a better customer experience. But at the same time, we also need to understand that we don't have per se a better customer experience just because we apply technology per se. So it is uh, really about uh, finding our compass, our direction on what we want to achieve. And then also not only apply technology, but also even create new technologies in order to satisfy these needs. And yes, uh, let me say it before somebody asks, it's a great time to be alive because now we are really at the verge where we see that uh, the technological innovation is often now even superpassing the human capability. And that is a little bit ironic because at the end of the day, we should create the technology so we as a human society can make use of it. Do you think businesses are focusing too much on the technology itself rather than understanding how this technology would solve a problem? Um, I think there are two main aspects in my personal opinion. I don't really think that actually companies focus too much on technology, but I think they talk too much about the technology. <laughs> I think they should apply the technology and then let the experience uh, speak for itself. So let's not talk about a GPS tracking or whatever, and, and geolocation and prediction models. But let's let's take a specific example from SAP, you know, ERP, which uh, 
is uh, also for uh, the uh, topic of uh, not the enterprise resource planning, but also for elephants, rhinos, and people. Yep. Let's yep. talk about how we save the animals. And this, and later maybe I can uh, go into detail, this is not done by, by governance. It's done by, by businesses. The second aspect uh, when it comes to, uh, to the technology, I think, is that we, we still need to understand that technology itself is a very human thing. But like our, our uh, competences of humanity, when we talk, let's say, about uh, curiosity and passion and values, technology is also a part of that human, innovative, creative uh, thinking. And uh, therefore, I, I wouldn't really juxtapose it on, on, on this uh, both, uh, both sides. T, how would you differentiate or how would you um, contextualize the relationship between the customer experience, which is driven and facilitated by the technology, and, and the outcome? So I hear you talking a lot about the outcome. What's the outcome of this? We're saving animals, we're improving lives, we're helping businesses run better how is that what we should be focusing on versus the customer experience versus the technology in sort of in that order if i if i can choose between let's say uh, an outcome and uh, just uh, making a check mark whether I, I use the technology or not like oh cool blockchain check well obviously i choose the outcome but i think if we may go a little bit deeper on the outcome we also need to focus on who is defining the outcome? Is it that technology providers, they are striving towards an outcome or should they actually provide the, let's call it um, the ecosystem or the environment or the, the context so that the customer can generate their own desired outcome? And this is something right. what I really call about the journey. So yes, in the particular uh, topic about elephants and rhinos, yes, it's about the conservation topic. Yeah, So maybe mm -hmm. here it, it doesn't fit. But let's take a very normal day-to-day -day experience, shopping. I personally don't like shopping. I really don't. Right. I, I don't mind browsing around. But you have to imagine when I go to one of these big old traditional shopping uh, temples, you know, like uh, the Galerie Lafayette in Paris or Ginza 6 in Tokyo, then I enjoy it. I enjoy that experience mm -hmm. because I have a very good combination of, let's say, self-service, of guidance, but at the same time of liberty. And nobody could actually tell me what the desired outcome should have been because mm -hmm. I didn't like it to begin with. <laughs> so to go there, right? So it must be also in my own prerogative to decide what I want. Right. Yes. So, so sorry, Tanya, just yeah. follow-up question there, T. If you go to one of these shopping centers you say you enjoy being in, do you buy something in any of the shops or do you really just enjoy the, the experience that um, the shops forming this shopping center um, give you? Making it at some stage probably more likely that you buy something there, but it's... Uh, it's an interesting because I know I know the feeling in a way. Yes, Nick, and actually it even goes deeper because it, it depends. The thing is, I know for a fact, for example, that a lot of these shopping centers, they have a much higher markup, but I don't care. So sometimes, uh, let's, let's take this very uh, real example, you know, 
very many times I'm not even shopping for myself. So think about it. I don't like shopping. I don't even buy something for myself, but I still go there knowing that there's a high markup and I still do that. And why? Because the entire experience at the end is still better than just clicking something off the internet. So I get something from that experience and nobody was actually specifically fabricating it for me because nobody knew that when I actually bought on the ground floor the perfume for my wife, I was actually going downstairs while they're wrapping it upstairs to actually look around the gourmet section because I enjoy that. Even I didn't buy anything there. So you see, it's very, very multifaceted. And I think, therefore, the experience should not be something which is, let's say, pre-configured and I choose from it, but it's basically a, a very multitude of different uh, propositions and then the combination makes the unique experience. Mm -hmm. And I would venture to say to you that um, uh, companies such as Le Galerie Lafayette in, in Paris, they have put thought into this, a lot of thought, in fact. And we can use this as an analogy for, for many types of businesses that they have done a really good job at paving the roads but not necessarily pushing you down one, but making it really easy for you to navigate independently, choosing from any number of paths within the department store. And you said something very interesting that the experience is so nice because you do have service support and sales support if you want it. Um, you do have, you know, a plethora of choice in front of you. You can check out the food department. You can look at perfume. You can go upstairs and, you know, look at homeware or, or, or fashion. And I think that to summarize this, customer freedom versus guiding a customer on a, on a pre, predefined path is going to be how companies differentiate between a successful outcome and a successful experience versus one that is not really desired to be repeated. What are your thoughts on freedom versus a prescribed path for the customer? in today's e-commerce environment? Yes, I think definitely that the freedom path is a little bit uh, neglected at times, but I would never say that uh, I just want to free roam, but mm -hmm. because at many times I also need guidance. And I think really this shopping uh, templates, they make it great because then they see me running around the rack for let's say uh, one minute too long. Somebody comes and asks me, can I help you? But at the same time, I don't want to right. be bothered every time to say, can I help you? Can I help you? Right. So it That's is right. about my freedom to use the escalator or to use the elevator or to just run around. And uh, uh, you're right. You know, they put a lot of thought in it, but sometimes it also looks to me like a labyrinth. But think a bit, a little bit like a kid. If you, if we, if you put ourselves back into a child's eyes, then a maze is nothing bad it's amazing isn't it we love to play to actually find our way through and that's also what i sometimes when i have the time also enjoy in in this kind of environment because it is not really guided or yes it is let's say contained guided like a maze but it really gets me to somewhere when i walk through the aisles and at the end of the aisle i say wow there's a very nice display that caught my eye. And I think right. it's really this, explorate, uh, this exploration mm -hmm. uh, uh, in, in a way 
And of course, at the end of the day, they all want me to 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 take out my credit card to register and buy something, <laughs> hopefully something of high value. But they also invest in all of this, even if I just walk out, right? If you go to the grocery stores, in 99% of the cases, you buy something, right? You don't go to the grocery stores just to browse around. But in these shopping temples, they understand 100 people go in, not 100 people will buy something, but we still need to deliver that kind of experience nonetheless. Right. Would you say that the retail industry is one of the industries that has gotten this formula right in, in you know, some of these you know, world-class examples? And how do you think this can be applied to other industries? Are, are we seeing it applied in under, other industries? And um, are there some examples of companies really marrying that customer freedom with the guidance uh, maze <laughs> path mm. that that can also be laid out in front of the customer to support their journey yeah let me uh, uh, break it down so the first question was uh, do i think that the retail industry got it right uh, i i have to unfortunately say no but i'm uh, happy to say that i can see that a few stars uh, they get it right and yeah, because honestly mm -hmm. speaking uh, i see even now with corona even even uh, even worse you see that uh, some of the uh, German uh, um, uh, retailers, they say 50% will actually close shop. But we do see that even in crisis, especially luxury brands are actually increasing, right? So uh, there is, I wouldn't say a general statement on the industry, but I would say generally the industry is neglecting it, but some uh, superstars, they get it right. Mm -hmm. When... I try to apply actually this kind of picture into, let's call it the B2B world, you know, because retail is uh, B2C. Then actually uh, people say T, but it's different. It's, it's one. I says, yeah, is it harder or is it easier? <laughs> because I think uh, systems and companies, they're extremely, they can be very complex, mm -hmm. but humans, we are complicated. Mm -hmm. It's not the same input, the same output. So I believe that we can learn a lot about B2C in a B2B environment. And then we also really understand that in the B2B environment, at the end of a chain, we are not talking about a monolith being a company because a company also has a lot of different departments. Customer is not one department. Customer right. is part of the finance, is part of the procurement, is everywhere, you know. And in these departments at the end of the line is a human. And that human needs to be, let's say, um, motivated to do something because nobody wants to uh, work in a, let's say, mundane or frustrating environment. Yeah, sure. Interesting. I, I like the idea of not distinguishing um, between the B2B and B2C environments and being able to learn from either side. There was one other question that I had asked that I'd like to, to follow up on, and that is, what do you think the, the right balance is between applying the technology to enable a path to guide a customer and at the same time support freedom? Not total freedom, perhaps, but enough freedom that the customer genuinely feels in like they're in the driver driver's seat and that they can define the experience and the outcome for themselves is there is there a trick a hack a secret to achieving that balance um short answer i, I don't think that there's a, a trick uh, or a hack and the right balance also depends obviously uh, on the 
uh, on the context uh, because uh, different times, different uh, seasons uh, is of course uh, very different. Yeah, because if they have a sale going on or if you have a Christmas season, it's obviously different. But let's not uh, talk too much maybe about retail. Let's take another one, uh, which I always love to talk about is, uh, for example, theme parks, yeah, like the Disneyland right. or the Universal Studios. Yeah. I mean, just to share uh, from my uh, own uh, experience, you know, my, my daughter, she had uh, the luck already going to uh, Disneyland a couple of times and Universal Studios uh, in different continents. And, you know, like, for example, in Disneyland, you can think, you know, when she's a five-year-old uh, <clears throat> girl, she loves to go where all the castle and the princesses are. And she did. And then she said, let's go to the pirates. Let's go to Adventureland. I says, I didn't know you liked that. I says, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, but let's go there. I mean, we, we paid and we're going to stay here every the entire day anyway, right? So mm-hmm. you should give enough freedom for people to explore, to even get a liking of what they don't. And yes, mm-hmm. there is a part of technology which makes that happen. There is really, in, in that particular case, a technology which makes sure that uh, uh, the crowd control is there. Yeah, so it's not always crowded, or at least you have a lot of different alternatives. There's a lot of sensors, uh, sensoric uh, devices also to really make sure things uh, are working. Yeah, so technology is everywhere. We want to be, we want it actually to be um, everywhere, but not intrusive. Yeah, so in terms of a balance, is uh, that uh, yes, I could give everyone in my organization now iPads and says digital transformation done. Well, that's not it, right? So digital transformation uh, does not mean more technology, but really the right amount of technology at the right uh, place. And uh, if we talk about the purchasing behavior, people actually nowadays don't want to talk to a person. They want to actually try to find out things themselves, but that's actually very complex. You know, the search algorithms have to be right and all of these things. But when they come to, let's say, complaints, they never want to talk to a chatbot, actually, <laughs> if a right. chatbot can't really solve the problem. Yeah. So it's really not the what, it's really more about the when. Right. And I think companies that successfully meet the customer where and how they want to be met are always listening, always observing, and taking the behaviors of the customer as diverse as they are and putting it into sort of a bi-directional you know, iteration uh, process so that they can learn and they can adapt and they can adjust accordingly. Absolutely. And you really put uh, uh, this uh, word uh, here, it's, it's about learning. And I think it's uh, that the successful companies will not be the companies who know it all, but who actually say, this is what we have and we are here to learn with you because you can imagine there are going to be so many different business models being created also out of the current pandemic which we have and these business models we cannot even define yet you know i mean we had the shift where we wanted to cut the middleman right you know and now if it's direct it's better in all the margins in the process efficiency could be given and and now we cut the middleman actually we now see that uh, not everything needs to be totally scalable or uh, uh, total, uh, totally like in, in a platform business. But actually now we even see a rise 
on on a super individual configured customized things going through a middleman mm. yeah when it when when it comes to uh, learning education it might be different than in healthcare it might be different in life sciences and i think this is really what makes it so interesting that there is no formula anymore but what they have all in common is that organizations need to stay resilient by being uh, adaptive to the environment and that is also just another way of saying learning <laughs> you really you have mm -hmm. to keep learning yeah? Yeah. And this idea, this, this new landscape that, that many companies and many industries are facing that, um, uh, will require a non-formulaic approach can be very daunting and intimidating to companies that, you know, grew up in the era of, uh, creating very, uh, defined customer paths. I think this is a very interesting, you know, point where the technology can support um, in in helping to take away the fear factor there. And if it, and I'd like to know your thoughts on on how the technology can support freedom, in, in, you know, outside of um, the formula, outside of having that plug and play approach. And I think really it starts with a certain mindset that we need to understand that technology is not there. It created itself just as, uh, sorry to say, but like the coronavirus is not bad itself. The coronavirus doesn't care that we have to close shops. The coronavirus is something which uh, in many cases uh, kills people. And, and that's a fact. So when I talk about uh, the technology itself, we need to understand that we created that technology often without actually knowing what we wanted it to do. Mm, right. And I think if we really know what we want to do and then create the right technologies around that, then I think we are definitely better off. Like one mm. example, which I always like to record, I actually don't even know where the origin was, but is I can't worry so much about self-driving cars as long as i know there's so many places on earth they don't even have roads it's lovely that i can now book a luxury apartment on my fingertip but at the same time there's a billion people without a roof over the head hmm. so i think we need to really think about the technologies to apply it for the human uh, good for the positive things and uh, what uh, just to recap what I said earlier, I truly believe that this is in the power of businesses and not in terms of, of uh, governments or, or policy. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's where I have my hope that when we and we will uh, come through this uh, pandemic uh, together, then a lot of new business ventures will actually arise and often are not the ones who have the new technology, but the ones who apply the technology in a, a specific way. Great, thank you. Very interesting, T. Um, I know we're at the at the end of our time already, but I would like to just stick with um, the pandemic topic for one more question. Um, now that we're actually, well, in most countries, even in Ireland, reaching the end of the lockdown phase and apply something you you said earlier one of your earlier thoughts to what could happen next when when you were describing how some large shopping centers get it right i was thinking at the same time hmm yeah but 
most or lots of the high streets um, in in towns were were really struggling and obviously getting something wrong for some reason. But now that we were restricted to um, online shopping for <laughs> for many months, the the towns are being mobbed uh, again by people and massive queues in front of shops because people obviously do want to have that that physical experience so what would what do you think <laughs> this is going to be a very um very general question what do you think is going to happen next are we going to go back to um our our habits um or are we learning to enjoy shopping in town again and having that different experience of of seeing uh, the choices we have around us, it's a, it is a, a general a question, and uh, I can actually answer it very specifically because it's going to be both. <laughs> and uh, and and the thing is that it's not only about the physical experience, I think, but also the social experience. You know, about seeing mm-hmm. other people being interested in the same or in other things. You know, or, or just seeing people around. And maybe I can digress again. But to give an example, I was talking to a colleague and we, of course, miss uh, going to the office. And then we said, no, let's actually be specific. No, we don't miss going to the office. We miss our colleagues. We miss going to the customers and seeing our suppliers. So we really miss the human interaction. And technology did a great job of bridging that desire, whether it's uh, different video conferencing tools. But... We don't need the physical building. So it's not really about the office. So also, I think we need to detach ourselves from that specific example to the idea of high street and big buildings. What we are lacking is the experience. So maybe uh, all uh, the the big retailers, maybe they are actually buying up a lot of the uh, smaller shops to actually have more outlets because they know that the big ones are not in demand anymore. Maybe they are going to increase their online uh, shopping uh, experience. Maybe they're actually even going to um, get rid of it altogether because uh, they, they hope that this pandemic will not uh, happen again and they are counting and betting on, uh, on our desire to go back onto high street. You know? And I think that is actually really the lovely part of it. It can be very daunting and it can be very scary, uh, but it could also be very exciting. And I think if, if, uh, because it's a fact, you know, like the, the economic figures and everything, it's a fact, you know, we, we, we can't change, uh, what I always say, we can't change the weather. So don't worry about it. Worry about, or think about bringing an umbrella. If you think, have an umbrella, then you can actually coordinate whether you're going to get wet or you stay dry. Yeah. But don't worry about the weather, whether it's going to sun, there's going to be sun or it's going to rain. And this is basically really, what I want to say uh, with uh, this, uh, let's let's stick to retail in this uh, particular. I think some uh, retailers will really see that a quote unquote schizophrenic approach might be the best way to do, and others will see that uh, just sticking to one uh, model might be the best. Because what we should not forget is the context in which we are. Yeah, so different times do need different uh, kind of uh, solutions. And uh, of course, uh, also addressing the different generational uh, gap uh, or the different generations from X, Y, Z. And I think they call the new ones alpha now. 
uh, it's going to be a, a different world for everyone. And I hope that whatever the businesses decide, that we will take all generations uh, and not only focus on the, let's say, big demographics. <laughs> Don't worry about the weather. That's <laughs> definitely, definitely something I can relate to living in Ireland. T, thank you so very much for these, uh, for these insights. I'm afraid that's already all we have time for today. If you want to learn more about this topic and our guests, check out the show notes where you can find relevant links. Also, if you enjoyed the conversation, once again, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can receive notifications as new episodes of the Customer Corner series are released. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time.